0: You're listening to OEA Grow, a member led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members, for members. In Season 11, educators discuss a culture of care with Dr. Amy Yillick.
1: Hello. Welcome back to OEA Grows Season 11, where we're talking about cultures of care. Today, I am talking with Julie Patton about family engagement.
0: Hi, Julie. Welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's so great. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Would you mind telling uh, uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of, you know, how you got into education and all the way up until
0: now? (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, I started, so I started uh, college and I was going to be a business major and I thought that I would be like an accountant or something and realized pretty quickly on that. um, I just didn't have the focus for that, nor was it very engaging for me and um, about my junior year and college, my um, basketball coach asked me, I'd taken a lot of, uh, I I really like to be active and I loved health education type classes. And he said, have you ever thought of being a teacher? And so that was my junior year. And, and I was like, hmm, so that's kind of where I made the shift to becoming a teacher and, and found that um, I really enjoyed connecting with young people Um, and being part of a community. And I think education offers that opportunity. So this is actually my 30th year um, in education. um, And it feels like it's gone really super fast and it's also changed a massive amount. Um, But I started out really as a PE teacher and then health teacher and in teaching health, I did a lot of mental health uh, trainings, um, have been involved in a lot of mental health type stuff. And then from there, um, started doing, um, things like I started a program called problem solving university at one of the schools I was at and just realizing that students sometimes needed just to communicate and be validated and to be heard and listened to. So, um, kind of fast forward. And now, I mean, I've been all over the place, PE, health, uh, reading, specialists uh, specialist, taught a fifth grade class one year during COVID. And then, um, the principal here at the school I'm at uh, is a friend of mine. And he said, Hey, I think I have a position for you. And so I currently am in a position called um, I'm a student success coordinator um, for bright family or bright um, which is a program out of the East coast. And it stands for bridge to resilient youth in transition. And essentially it is a program where we work with kids who Um, may have lots of attendance issues, um, mental health issues, anxiety, depression, um, and behaviors can, you know, kind of crop up and look like kids are being bad, but really they have more to do with anxiety and, and things like that. So we work with kids around their academics and attendance and teaching coping skills in this program. So it's a kind of a unique program in the district that I'm in or actually in the state, really, to be honest. And then from there, I, um, having worked with people on the East Coast, um, there was an opening in the family engagement um, position for the National Network for Bright. And uh, I was encouraged to apply uh, and now work for the family engagement team. So on the side, I do that. And that is another great opportunity where we work with families to Um, We do lots of learning series and parent support groups So really supporting families and parents uh, on top of the work that I do during the day for school. That was a really long answer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, it, it was so good, so fascinating. And that's, I mean, that's also the issue when you've worked in education for 30 years, so you've got uh, a little bit of history yeah, to share. I must say, Julie, because I know you, um, you must have started teaching when you were like 10, Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <okay>. I wish. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh-huh. That's what I always say. Yep, yep, that's me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's great. So could you tell
0: me like, What does, like, what does family
1: engagement mean to you? Well,
0: family engagement is, number one, it's connecting with um, parents and working with them. I I think, um, well, I would start with, number one, parenting is a really hard job, and it can be really super isolating. And so to me, family engagement is, like, Reaching out and working with families to see what their needs may be around that parenting lens, but it's also things like you know finding resources for them, and then also reminding them that they're not alone because, um, like I said, it's very isolating. And you may have something going on with with one of your kids that you think you're the only person in the world, but it turns out you're not. Um, and those of us in education and the reason I'm on the team is because I am an educator. We, we see some trends with students a lot. And so, um, yeah, and we also know that family engagement is important because, uh, it supports kids because families know their kids best, right? Parents know their kids best or guardians. And, um, we know that in school that when we partner with parents, Um, students are more successful. They're more successful socially, academically, behaviorally. Um, And so that's why I feel like it's really important. And also it humanizes parents. Um, Sometimes in schools, you know, uh, parents can be seen as these scary entities when they're reaching out with questions or concerns and um, they, you know, need to be heard and listened to. You know, and I think when teachers and and parents work together, kids will do better. And so just in light of the world we're in right now, I think it's so important that we partner up.
1: Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Um, And then you think about like having good partnership and how many parents maybe don't have great experiences with schools. Absolutely. Yeah, and And
0: that's the majority of whether it's personal or with their own child. Absolutely, and that's the majority of the parents I work with. It's um, really showing up with a um, kind of like I don't I don't have you know no judgment that I'm I'm there for them that um, you know I'm here to validate and understand what your experience has been. And then what can I do to support you um, and get you, you know, what what you're looking for? So, yeah. yeah, I love it. And especially with our most
1: vulnerable population, Absolutely. vulnerable population that you work with. Yeah. So, yeah, that's amazing. Some of the more fun things that I've done in my career over the years have been when I've been able to partner with families mm-hmm. around helping their their children. It just feels so... You make such better progress when you're able
0: to do that. <laughs> yeah, You gain some trust. Well, and I think where I learned where, where this kind of like, for me, why this is so important, I've worked in a smaller district uh, before I came here. And, um, you know, year after year, you'd have, you you'd get to know a family and then the next year you have their younger sibling or, you know, just living in a town where everyone knows everyone, um, that family connection is really deep. And so when a new kid would come in, I would know something about the family and I'd be like, hey, you know what, I'll reach out to the parent. And that was the norm. But when you get to where I'm at now, which is a much bigger school, I can see where teachers are really challenged with trying to reach out to families. And so I feel in a lot of ways, very lucky to be able to work with a smaller population, albeit a very, um, you know, like higher needs because it's a tier three intervention program. But. I get to make connections. I'm talking to parents two, three times a week about their kid. Yeah. That's so
1: amazing. Yeah. I'm so happy for the the youth that you work with, that you get to partner. Oh, with. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, really great. And so um, maybe you could talk a little bit about maybe some of the successes
0: you've had
1: with working
0: with families. Yeah. Um, well, just in you know, I'm kind of morphing, I'm going between both my day job and then the, the family engagement evening job because they, they really overlap. It's the same network. Um, but some of the things that have been wins is, um, working with parents and helping coach them around, especially attendance issues. Um, i have a lot of families in my program where the norm is a pretty low percentage of attendance, right. And, um, and so through some education and then also communication and talking about, you know, how do we help your kid get to school when they don't want to come to school? So helping with resources. resources. We've seen kids' attendance rates really improve. So those have been some really great wins. And just feeling like um, having positive relationships with families that have struggled. Um, you know, and maybe have not gotten along well with administration or the school in general, and me being able to build that bridge has been really positive um, for me. So those are some of the things that I think are really, um, they kind of keep me going.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So what would be, um, like, what are kind of your first steps if you, whether you know, you've got a kiddo and you've got to reach out to the family. How do you approach that? What's your kind of strategy? I yeah, guess?
0: well, I, I'm first of all, I'm, I want to make sure that I'm communicating in a way that the person that I'm talking to can deal with, right? So the first time I usually reach out by phone call, but I'm always careful to ask, is this a good time? And how would you like me to communicate with you? And so, you know, oftentimes a lot of my families like parents like text. And so I have a Google voice that I use. Um, and so depending on what they want, that's how I communicate. Um, and then I also say if there's an emergency or I need to really talk to you quickly, what's the uh, the second best? But just making sure that they have a voice uh, in how we communicate instead of me handing you down a we're going to be talking a lot and you have to listen to me. And then also just being really curious when I do talk with them about um, their students' background, because oftentimes I'm asking questions about, you know, a history of trauma or anything going on. Is there outside services being, you know, supporting? Do you have, does your child have a parole um, or a, you know, juvenile justice officer, or are you going to counseling? So those, and those questions can feel um, really invasive. And so, I just try to let them know, like, I'm here to support your child, um, you know, share what you feel comfortable. This just kind of helps me to support your kid a little bit more. And so I think just also my demeanor, I just try to be really, you know, nonjudgmental and, and, you know, a calming, empathetic tone, you know, Yeah. and sometimes you have parents that, um, are yellers. I've I experienced that. And again, I just have to ground myself and listen and like kind of read between the lines that they're stressed out too and um yeah. I mean, I think I kind of answered that question, but I kind of went off. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's those are great. I suggestions.
1: You know, if someone was like, okay, I want to improve family engagement, what are some of the things? So I think,
0: you know, just talking through a teacher's lens, because that's where I always come from, because I am a teacher. um, I think about how many students an average teacher might see, and it's usually over 100, I would think, easily. And just imagining how many parent contacts that would be. And so when I think about, like, teachers and family engagement, it looks a little different than what I might be doing. Um, But I do believe that, like, teachers can do it. It's just going to be a little bit more generalized, like reaching out to families about who they are, kind of what they do, having an open, you know, communication policy. Those are things that I would do, you know, when I was teaching in my classroom that, you know, I'm here for you. Um, And sometimes it takes more time than teachers really are given during the school day to do. And that's why it may look like to parents, especially teachers don't care, but their schedules are so tight. They have very little time to do the, do the extras. And so, um, I'm, I'm really blessed to be able to do what I do and work with a smaller group of kids and have real conversations with families, I guess is what I would come back to. So,
1: yeah, I almost wonder like for a general ed teacher, if it might be You know, I wonder if using a strategy of at the beginning of the year of having parents, you know, kind of how you asked, like, what's the best way to get a hold of you, asking parents that up front so that, you know, as the school year enrolls and you've got a kiddo who seems to be struggling, you already know who, how and, you know, when to reach out to a particular parent. Um, Just seems like that might.
0: Kind of help For sure. And the, like, honestly, I mean, I have a whole different lens because I'm working with a really high intense group of kids. And when I reach out, I always try to find positives. And when a classroom teacher often reaches out, it may be more of something's not going right, because they are, they do have so many students. And so it's almost the reverse, which you would think, because I'm dealing with the kids that might have behaviors. But I'm always right. looking for those positive strengths, um, or little wins that we have during the day. To share with families because I think a lot of times the families I work with don't get to hear those.
1: Right. I. I mean, I just don't think it hurts ever to tell parents like these are the things I love about your child. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: What are some of the
0: barriers
1: you? have to deal with in your role.
0: Yeah, well, and and I'll start with like my family engagement like uh, you know that the extra part of the job it's c- communication is can be a barrier the ways to communicate things. So like when I'm communicating out like a, the parent learning series or parent support groups, one of the things I've really come to understand is that people can't take a lot of stuff emails are really hard for people to follow. They're like it's got to be short and succinct. Um, information has to be really targeted. Things have to be bold. So those are my big learnings with just the parent support network um, that, you know, too many clicks, people aren't going to go that deep. Um, so yeah. communication as I think, just with our culture with screens and whatnot and attention span, people don't really read email anymore. So that communication can be, email can be a barrier, even though it's a way we might send a deeper information about something. Um, and some sometimes I don't get information back from families. I might share something out, and I don't necessarily get it back, and that that's challenging because I don't know what's working and what's not. Um, and I think yeah. because of the type of families I work with, a lot of times um, communication is can be hit and miss. Even though I'm doing my best to show up, you know, for them, they may or may not be capable or able to, you know, whether they're working extra jobs or um, just time or even mental health stuff going on. A lot of, you know, families have parents with mental health stuff going on. And so being able to connect with them at a time that's great for them isn't always, just doesn't always happen. And so I I find that I have to um, lower my expectations of myself (laughs) in terms Mm -hmm. of like how I look at my wins during the day and my communication wins. And then also just having a lot of um, empathy for the people around me, and just understanding that they're doing the best they can too. So,
1: yeah, for sure. Have you have you noticed a shift? I'm wondering, like since COVID, since you've been doing this work, are you have you noticed a shift in having it be more of a challenge um, to engage with families? Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, probably um, pre-COVID. Um, I felt like communication was so much simpler and now it just feels um feels like people are overwhelmed and everything's too much. Um and I and I guess I experienced that too, just as a mom and a um, you know, just as a human. Things are coming at oh. us so fast and especially like, you know, information and you know, sometimes you're just like, I just want to go home and sit down. <laughs> I don't want to respond to this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, I think about
1: like um I just heard some statistics that we need to keep in mind that the babies, the moms that were pregnant during COVID, right? Mm-hmm. That went into isolation, oh. their babies are now 3 years old and we know we're seeing so many behavioral challenges because really it takes a whole village. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes a community to help a child reach their developmental milestones. And then you put in to effect that like, you know, they've been isolated Absolutely. families trying to work while their children are home, you know? So we have a lot of kids that were, you know, and rightfully, I totally understand it um, being technology kind of helping to keep kids entertained. Right. While parents were trying to work and, um, it seems like now more than ever, family engagement is such an important part of how we're going to move forward right now in education.
0: Absolutely. And uh, one of the things that, you know, because I've, I've had some connections, obviously, through you, Amy, with some entities, and I've talked with other people that do parent type learning information stuff, and they're struggling to get people to come join, you know, in the conversations, to join the classes. Um, And in my family engagement work, uh, I am still trying to, you know, get people to come to these parent supporting parents groups to the learning series. Um, And I don't know, you know, I just think people are tired and they don't want another thing on their calendar. Um, Yeah. And and it's a huge challenge um, because I think we all we all need each other. You know, like I don't have all the answers, but I know that in community that I can find what I need. You know,
1: yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful, and it's so true. Yeah. Um, what would be like? Um, what would be your top suggestions for educators, whether it's you know tier one, tier two, or tier three educators for um, kind of working with family engagement?
0: Um, I think number one, I think it goes back to, um, you know, have a plan and, and I think it's, it starts early, like off in whenever you are, you know, starting the class or, you know, starting with a student, um, and like a one pager on who you are, and this is how to contact me. And, and then, you know, ask the parents some questions about, their kid and the family, and it can be done in a paper format, but like you said, let me know how you want to be communicated with. And I think the other pieces, and it's, it is really hard, but there needs to be a really, um, there needs to be a plan for communicating, not just the hard things that kids are going through at school. Cause I mean, I'm in a middle school, let me tell you, there's lots <laughs> going wrong. Um, and right is finding those yeah. positives and ways to reach out and tell families that, um, you know, because I know I, I have my own kids and, and each of them have had their own struggles that when someone comes at me with, you know, compassion and empathy and, you know, says something like, hey, I genuinely really like your kid and then follow and even follows up with something that they need to work on. I can hear it, right? Like, if I know yeah. you like my kid, I can hear it. And I think that's what it comes down to. Um, and, you know, it's the scarcity of time feeling for educators and unfortunately, Schools haven't, we haven't figured that out yet and it is falling on their backs, but we have to do a better job of communicating with families and saying the positive.
1: Yeah, I, you know, my role was always as a school psych, so I had the luxury of being able to call families and engage with families maybe a little bit more than a um, special ed teacher or a general ed teacher And I also know that those times when we would maybe, and I was at the high school level. So if we had kiddos that we knew were coming to us that had really struggled in, you know, maybe middle school transitioning, that would be my flag to try and reach out to the family more proactively Mm -hmm. and um, set up just that relationship where you start before you even (laughs) have to have, maybe you don't have to have a call. I would think, More often than not, I wouldn't have to call a family over a problem when I did it proactively.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And then when I did need to call, there was already a beginning of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it changes the tone when you have a relationship with someone. Um, I mean, that's just the reality of all of us that way. If you've ever had to sit in with a boss, they had to tell you something that you did wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that's me, but, you know, (laughs) when I know they care about me and they're giving me feedback... um, then, you know, I can take it a little bit better.
1: It's right. being human. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so true. So, you know, you've been doing this work a long time. You've been in education for 30 mm-hmm. years. So you know, what have you learned over the years to sustain your love and energy in this work?
0: Uh, well, number one... Um, is I have a support system, so I have really deep relationships and I have really close friends, but I also have developed deep relationships in the work that I do. So for example, in bright, uh, when I work with, um, my colleagues and people like you, Amy, where I feel like I can be honest and vulnerable and raw and there, and people will accept me as I am. I feel I feel like I'm, you know, working as a part of, as a human, as a part of a team, not just as like I'm a, I'm just an employee. Right. So, and I think right. that's the biggest thing is like I I can be human, um, and so I have a support system amongst the people I work with. I have a support system with my my good friends, um, and I am really honest about when things are hard, and um, I have people that you know, Mm -hmm. remind me that, you know, get through this and they validate me. Um, and so, and I, I just, I think, um, recognizing that I'm not going to be perfect in everything that I do. And I think that the second part of that would be like, I try really hard that when I do something that I don't think was good enough, or maybe not, maybe on behalf of a family that wasn't good enough is I own it and I try to improve it. Um, you know, and when I was early in my career, I thought I had to be perfect at everything, and everything had to look good and shiny. And now I realize, like, no, that's not how. That's just not how it is. No one's perfect at anything <laughs> when they first do it, and you know. So right. it's, um, you know, maybe that's the the gift of of uh, being in a, a job for a long time. You start to realize, yeah, I make mistakes, and I tell kids I make mistakes too. Like I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that. Um, you know, or. I didn't listen yeah. very well when you came in here, you know whatever it is.
1: Yeah, and families too, mm-hmm. for right? sure. Like, yeah. I've even had an experience where, um, you know, families would share an experience that they had, and for me just to say to them that wasn't a positive experience. Oh, right. And you know, I've heard a lot of really awful things that families have had to go to go through. Now did it happen exactly like that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I'm sure there are families out there that that would say, oh my gosh, that Dr. Amy, she is a nightmare. Like, don't work with her. You know, where, you know, so I get that I don't know the whole story. And when I'm able to sit with a family and say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry you were treated that way. I certainly hope you'll let me know if our interaction (laughs) is anything less than ideal,
0: right? Yeah. And I think I hear that from parents and I hear it a lot from students. And, you know, like you said, there's there's always two sides to it. And perception is whatever your perception is. Um, But one of the things... I recognize in education that's really changed is that teachers are also equally dysregulated and they are um, overwhelmed. And, you know, if you have a dysregulated teacher, you can have dysregulated classes. And I'm not saying across the board, all teachers are, we all have the capacity to be dysregulated. I have moments where I'm not my best self and it comes out as, um, for me, it comes out, you know, like this underlying, like, just really quick snappy responses that aren't very nice uh, to my poor husband. Um, and so I recognize that when I'm working with teachers um, on behalf of students, that there are teachers in this building that I, I see struggling too. And so they also need support in um, you know, cause we do a lot of coping skills work and I try to share that to the parents. Like how do you cope and what are you going to do? You know, it isn't about just being in school. How are you going to live your life? If, You're in constant panic all the time, or you're having these behaviors as a way to avoid what's going on. So, yeah, I I mean, I, I, I worry about educators. Um, it's a really hard job and time right now, you know, because they're, they're shouldering a lot for these families and kids. And, um, I, you know, I guess I kind of went off on a tangent, but
1: honestly, I'm
0: walking through the halls of my school and I see people struggling.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we get to work all across the region and we are saying seeing very similar things. And so, you know, that the idea of doing family engagement for these teachers is like one more thing. And we have so much conflict right now because of we are all a little out of our kind of you know, window of tolerance, being able to be calm. Everything just feels a little bit harder right now, I think, for yeah. a lot of us. Well, basic
0: needs aren't being met with families, you know. I mean, especially the families I work with. And it's like, if you don't have your basic needs, you know, school yeah. doesn't seem like it matters. For sure. Right. Yeah. right.
1: Um, if I gave you a magic wand. Okay. And it worked. <laughs> and it worked. Um
0: but you had to use it for family engagement, what would happen? Well, I mean, my biggest dream would that people would have what they need, right. And their voices would be heard. Um, Mm. But I think as far as specific to family engagement, that people would recognize that they don't have to do this alone and that you can come, um, you know, and I haven't spoken a lot to the after school stuff that I do, but there are these parent support groups weekly where you can sit and it's not, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I am a teacher sitting down with adults and we're going to share our hard things. And I have my hard things. I, I didn't parent perfectly. So just knowing that there's support and and grabbing a hold of it when you can um, and, and show up to it. Yeah. Are these, um, who is able
1: to attend these parenting support groups? Anyone,
0: any parent of a student K through 12, honestly, we wouldn't turn you away if you had kids that were older that, you know, cause I have kids that are older that, you know, I'm still supporting. Um, but yeah, K through 12. And, um, you know, I say the more the merrier, um, but the first, so the first, I'll just kind of give you a rundown of what they are. They're Tuesdays. The first Tuesday of the month, uh, we have usually a parent learning series topic. Uh, This actually tonight or today at 4 p.m. So it would be next month. But this one, for example, is on communicating around conflict, big feelings and hot tempers. Um, And next month, December 5th, would be maximizing joy in the family. So they're different topics. We get a professional that is around that topic and they do a little presentation and then we have time for question and answer. We usually have questions, but parents can type in, it's a YouTube live, so we don't see you, but you can just type in a question. And so we'll you know, have the presenter mm-hmm. share, um, respond to those questions. So those are the first Tuesday of the month. Then the next Tuesday is an elementary age group, and it's a parents supporting parents group. And these are all free and me and another person, um, who is, uh, an elementary like specialist, um, are there to sit with families and just sit and listen to, you know, maybe any struggles they're having. And it's pretty amazing when you have um, like peer to peer, adult to adult, like, you know, when someone shares with you something hard that's going on and you're like, Oh yeah, I hear you. That's happened to me too. It makes you just feel it's just really supporting and it's a beautiful thing. So those are the that's kind of the the goal the parent support groups um, and also we can kind of suggest some resources you know again we're not like therapists or anything but we might say hey have you thought about checking out X Y or Z um, but mostly it's listening and in and, and kind of problem solving then the third Tuesday of the month is a secondary so it'd be middle and high school age students parents and then the mm-hmm. final um, Tuesday of the month or the next Tuesday of the month. Um, is a, a BIPOC affinity group. And so um, obviously I don't run that because I'm not a person of color, but um, that is a group run um, by several people that can run it. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, and we're starting to get people coming to these groups. And um, I haven't had a lot of people take me up on the West Coast version of it. There's an East Coast version and West Coast version. So I'm really looking forward to getting some people coming to our groups here on the West oh, Coast. great.
1: Yeah, well, maybe uh, you'll have a have some you know yeah. people that will recommend this to families after this podcast yeah. airs. So we can only hope that would be amazing. Yeah, huh? love it, um, Julie. Before we go, what what would you like? You know, what haven't we talked about that you think would be important for our listeners to hear?
0: I guess what I would say is um, I just think that the world like has changed so much so drastically and, um, that people aren't alone in that, that, um, you know, there's people out there ready and willing to help you out and you just got to be willing to, um, you know, step in and try it out. Um, and if I think the other piece is, is if your student is at a school that doesn't have bright, I would inquire about it because it is a really, um, it's a really amazing program intervention that we're doing in schools. And we have it in the Redmond School District. There are some schools in Portland, and I know the Bend La Pine School District has it. Um, but right now, no other schools in Oregon do it.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, I was lucky to kind of be involved in the early planning of bringing Bright to Central Thank Oregon. You. So it's been amazing yeah. to see how it's... Um, Kind of blossomed and and adapted because right. we're a different you know oregon is different than massachusetts in terms of you know resources for students and families and what education kind of looks like so yes well julie i just can't thank you enough i'm just so um just so impressed with the work that you're doing and i just think it's such an important part of being able to help children succeed so Thank, thank you, you for joining yeah. me. Yeah. And um, to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that uh, you will be well. We'll see you next time.
0: For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit grow.oregonad.org.